Thanks, Alan. Thanks, guys. How is everyone? Good. Uh, so good to be preaching again. Always get super nervous, but always enjoy it. And uh, so grateful for the opportunity. Um, just so you know who I am, I'm, I stay in Dunfermline. I always have all my life. I'm a plumbing and heating engineer. And 10 years ago, I was the biggest sinner you could find. I would drink. I was up to no good with my mates. I would be, at this time of the day, probably doing the walk of shame up Town Hill Road, staggering, stinking of booze, with not much memory of the night before. And the, God comes and changes, and uh, he's taken me and turned me into or a work in progress. But I just want to encourage, the reason I'm saying this is because there's so many new faces and uh, people who have recently got saved. And I just want to encourage you and say that you're doing better than you think you are doing. You're doing amazing just coming through the doors of church on a Sunday and fighting the battles that we fight. So I want to encourage you and say to keep going. Learn to seek God with all your heart. Learn to worship and praise. Learn to pray and learn to give yourself a break because the Holy Spirit is at work in you and you're in the right place. And yeah, give them a round of applause, they're awesome. So good. That's what this church is about, always has been about, and always will be about, is um, being open to everyone from all backgrounds and to see the change in people and um, the work of God. It's so good to be a part of it all, and uh, the future's bright and so exciting. And I just want to take a minute to thank Pastor Aaron and Lindsay for the series that we've done, A Spirit of Excellence. Um, I don't know about you, but I think personally Aaron's preaching in the last two weeks has been the best that I've ever seen Aaron preach. And I know he's tried a new format without the stuff that I'm using, but it's greater and deeper than that. It's been, um, there's so much grace and depth in what you preach, Aaron. And you perfectly preached the spirit of excellence. And we're so privileged and blessed, are we not, to have such amazing pastors. That worship this morning was through the roof. Wow. So today we're going to speak on honor. And I'm going to try and honor the time. It took me three days to even type a word on my iPad on honor. And then like 10 minutes ago, I'm like frantically trying to take stuff out and change things because there's so much to talk about when we talk about honor. Um, I'm going to use some stories in the Bible. Uh, it's very, very powerful and to see where, how highly God views honor and how we can apply it uh, in our lives. Um, so it's not uncommon now to see dishonor being celebrated and praised. Such examples might be that we see it in the movies where we dishonor people. We see it uh, in our government and our politics where people will dishonor and shame and dig the dirt on their opposition to elevate themselves and to magnify their position. It's not uncommon to go on social media and see people being bullied and beaten up, um, victimized, while people in their people, tens, 20, 30 people stand and film and capture this moment so that they can put it on their social media and get as many likes and see if it can go viral. That's become more important than people, so it would seem. And just about every video that I come across on social media has something along 
the nature that's in the sports world. Um, it's all around. This honor is huge. Um, and we're going to look at the Bible and see what it has to say about it and how we can protect ourselves as Christians and as people who follow Jesus um, to make sure that we are lining up with the Word of God. So, where does a spirit of excellence and honor begin? And it begins in the family home. The Ten Commandments specifically says to honor your parents. It's massive to God that we honor our parents. Um, teenagers, do you honor your parents? Do you clean your room when you're asked to clean your room? In fact, teenagers are apparently the all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise generation. Did you guys know that? I actually remember working, I believe, in Pam Lee's house, and I can't remember word for word what the quote says, but it goes along the lines of teenagers, move out now while you still know everything. <laughs> it's brilliant. So teenagers and kids, do you honor your parents? Do you speak highly of your mom and dad? Do you speak with respect? Do you show honor by tidying up your dishes? Before I go any further, there is a cross here on my head today. Zara's not taking notes, she's taking bullet point reminders. <laughs> My week next week is going to be torture. You said this, and you said that. I'll come home from work and my sermon will be playing on the stereo every night. <laughs> so teenagers, it's huge to God for you to respect your mom and your dad to be a blessing to, as I've said, show respect, to build them up. Your mum and dad work harder than you'll ever know. They carry the stresses and strains of running a house and paying the bills. And sometimes they just need a little bit of encouragement. Uh, maybe if they see their room tidied or some dishes put away, it would mean the world to them. But you, will have done something significant between you and God. You're respecting what that commandment says to honor your parents. And what about adults who have parents? What's our, how do we also take that scripture and that commandment? Um, how do we hold that in light with God? Do we, ha do we ever say enough thanks for watching the kids? Do we ever take them out for a coffee or a meal? Um, there's so many things we could do as even adults to stick to the Ten Commandments, one of which is to respect and honor your parents. Uh, maybe you don't speak to your mum or dad. Maybe you've had an issue in the family. Maybe there's been a family breakdown, a family feud, a family fallout. Now, this is the challenging bit, being a Christian, because the Christian faith is, uh, is centered around love, grace, and forgiveness. It cut, the Word of God cuts right through us and challenges us to be different from the world, to not hold grudges, to not um, be full of bitterness or to be stubborn and narrow-minded. And I don't know if there's 
anyone in here that possibly has also maybe strayed away from that scripture to honor your parents. Maybe a card or some flowers, anything small and practical. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, just some ideas. Um, honor is huge. We're going to go further into what dishonor does to us as people, to our physical health and to our spiritual life. And then this might begin to make a bit more sense when you think back to it. So to honor our parents means to speak well of them, speak politely, to be cur- to show courtesy and respect, and just to take a note of those things and see if there's anything that we need to challenge ourselves with. Um, I'm the worst for not sending a message when I should, or I've got great intentions, but then I never fulfill it because I get so busy and caught up. Um, so don't be like me. Be a bit wiser and do it when it's on your mind. Um, also in the home, well, I'm really putting myself out here. Husbands and wives, do you show honor to one another in the home? Do you build each other up with words of encouragement, affirmation, love? Do you see the best when it would be too easy to see the worst? Do we lack building each other up with gifts, doing something without being asked? The Bible has got a rough count about 100 verses that I just quickly scrolled through on these subjects of, um, or on your parents, and then there's more on the home. But we are, there's so many specific verses, don't have time to go through them, but I would encourage you to study husbands and wives to, do you show honor in the home? Do we fight in front of our kids? Because that doesn't really teach honor to our children. Do we use our children as a form of manipulation to frustrate and wind up our spouse, because that also isn't healthy for our kids' development. We've got a huge responsibility to raise our kids in the ways of God, and it starts by first living it in the home. How do we speak to one another? Do we know we're going to get a reaction and we still breach the dam and say something that we shouldn't say? I'm guilty probably of a lot of these things. I don't know if I'm just alone in this situation or if you guys sometimes get up to no good as well and say things you shouldn't say. And, uh, you know, my biggest thing I need to work on, and I'm full of excuses, is when I come home from work and eat my dinner, I don't speak to anyone because I'm just a man who needs fed. But then when I'm a man who needs fed, I seriously need to go and take a shower because I've generally been hanging over somebody's toilet or climbing about under a floor with mice and, oh. Should have stuck in at school. I'm only kidding. And I'll walk up the stairs just about every day, and Zara will say, That's okay. You're welcome. Forgot to say thanks yet again. I did not show my wife honor by thanking her for the hard work of cooking with two kids around your feet. And you mums will know what that's like. And they haven't paid me to say this. This is pure Holy Spirit conviction right before your eyes. If anyone's got a room that I could stay in next week. (laughs) 
So honor in the marriage means to deny ourselves a little bit. Who always likes to be right in the house? Of course, we all do. We make zero allowance to even consider what our husbands or our wives might think of a certain situation. Is anyone else like that? So we're encouraged through the scriptures to, first of all, specifically what the Bible says is to love our wives. So flowers, by the way, for Valentine's Day is coming up Thursday. It is not an excuse to say I listened to everything Stephen said and I bought flowers. No, Thursday everyone gets flowers, but every woman gets flowers. It's no excuse. But I am terrible because to me, and I'm sorry, but £10 for a bunch of flowers that goes in a vase for three to four days, if it's lilies, I think it smells like baby's nappies. <laughs> the house stinks. You're wondering where you left the bag when you changed the kid the last time. And then three or four days later, the same flowers that you were so warmly welcome to bring in, you're being complained to take them out and put them in the brown bucket because they're dead. That 10 pounds could have been spent at Costa. It could have bought a double espresso, a latte. <laughs> but that's the wrong attitude, that's the honor. It's taken me eight years to still not get it right. With great intention, sometimes I intend on driving by Tesco's to get flowers, but there's always an excuse. Something comes up, and I need to learn that. I don't know about you guys. So we're meant to love our wives with our words, uh, show honor with our actions. We don't need to be asked to take the rubbish out or to put a wash load on, whatever it is. And in the same way, wives are asked to respect their husbands because men are, respond to respect. We want to be respected. We've been given this position as the head of the home, but we should not abuse that and think that we are this all-powerful dictator. Absolutely not. But men respond to respect. So encourage wives to learn to allow your husband to make mistakes, to be adventurous and to get things wrong, but to support. Uh, if you do a wee study on marriage, you'll see that these are the things um, that make husbands and wives work together. I'm not preaching on marriage. I'm never going to be in a position to preach on marriage, so uh, I'm going to move on. So, the Bible also speaks of authority honoring authority. Now, that could be in the workplace. So if you're an employee, you are given this um, great um, opportunity to show honor to your employers. If you've never run a business or if you've never um, been self-employed, whatever, you probably won't realize what an employer goes through to employ somebody. So you may just see it as you're a vessel for them to make money. And I guess a good business would suggest that that is what would happen. But employers face VAT bills, tax bills, VAT inspections, cash flow problems, cash flow crises. They have to pay pensions, they have to pay holiday pay, they have to pay sick pay. They have to work 24-7 to keep employers, employees going with steady work. And it's easy to moan, it's easy to criticize, it's easy to see things from your own side with a particular pair of glasses 
It's easy to, to, to slander and to slag, to get caught up in that kind of stuff. But as a Christian, we're meant to show honor and follow the teachings and the leadings of the Bible, to go the extra mile, to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and to represent God through your actions and through your words of encouragement and generosity. On the other hand, if you're an employer, we're also meant to show honor to the graft that our employees put in, to treat them well and to treat them fairly, and to make sure that it's not all a one-sided way. Honor is a huge, massive, significant topic. So we can show honor anytime, anywhere we go. If you go to McDonald's for a drive-through, and the person serving you has got a fish face, they look cravat. Maybe they're hungover like what I used to be and they've still got to go to work. We can show honor by showing gratitude and respect. We can, we can tip more than somebody else. We can say thank you and mean it. We can go the extra mile. In all cases, doesn't matter where you are, you could, you could shower your foot, you could shower the referee with so much encouragement, eh, Stuart? You could build him up. Say he's doing a wonderful job. That's a real challenge. But this is what Romans 12, verse 9 says about honor. It says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Listen to this bit. Outdo one another and showing honor. When was the last time we had the mentality to outdo somebody and showing honor? I heard somebody say one time that false humility is a sin. So I'm not asking, I'm not suggesting that we put, we grit through our teeth, but we actually humble ourselves as a Christian, as a changed person, as somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit to try or to make an extra effort to outdo one another in showing honor. We can honor our government. We may not agree with everything they say. We may or may not agree with Brexit. We may be deeply offended by it or not. I don't know. But we are to show honor to the people that God has placed in charge of our country. You may have certain issues with that, but our biblical command is to show honor. Your workers have suggested, what, you know, the police, paramedics, all these guys who work hard through the night, whatever, I mean, police, firemen, they get, seem to get more abuse than anything, rocks hurled at them, and, you know, to show honor, to see, you know, if you, when you, next time you get a speeding ticket, I dare you to smile and say, thanks for doing your job so well. Problem's not you, the problem is that I was driving too fast. A spirit of honor, try and outdo people with a spirit of honor. Just going to read some verses quickly that let us see what dishonor is connected to in the spiritual. It says in Psalm 44, verse 15 that my dishonor tortures me continuously and the shame on my face 
overwhelms me. A spirit of dishonor can be seen by probably everybody. And this, the writer here is saying that my dishonor tortures me. You're not called to be a person of dishonor. You weren't saved and made new, a new creation to be a person of dishonor. So if you feel constantly grumpy and crabbit, maybe a little inward search, some analyzing needs to take place as to why that could be. Do you know what a spirit of dishonor is? It's unclean and it's unhealthy. And as I just said, it's a spirit. That's actually where I was going to go with that. And I just showed you that. But it's a spirit that attaches itself to us. A spirit of dishonor is a very unhealthy and a very unclean thing to have connected with us. With the psalm writer is here saying that my dishonor tortures me continuously. Also says in Proverbs 11 verse 2, this is a, a different um, version, but it says, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. So where there's pride, there's dishonor. Do you think you're better than everybody else? Do you think you're better than your employer? Do you think you know best about decisions that have been made in your workplace or uh, wherever? Do you dishonor your pastors and your church leaders who are out probably more nights than you could know or would want to be involved in the meetings that they have to go through to make sure that on a Sunday these doors are open, that this building has always um, got power and gas and um, the things you need in the bathrooms and, and in the cafe, everything. There's so much work goes in and a spirit of dishonor can attach itself to us and we can become people who gossip and complain and murmur and moan and it's a very, very dangerous place to find yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 45 said that love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. The Christian faith, love, grace, forgiveness. We need to come back to the center like a little spiritual service or an MOT like you would get on your car and just see where we are. The best place to make sure that we are living the way God wants us is to, is to daily be reading our Bibles. It shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be a strain or a struggle. It shouldn't be seen as something that we're religious and we've got to tick the box. It should be seen as an opportunity to spend time with God and, and an exciting time to see how is God going to speak to me today and what is he going to say. That's the attitude we should have when we want to read our Bibles. And sometimes I'm so far away from that. I'm too tired blah, 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 but I also am fully aware that I'll have four to five hours of screen time flashing up on my iPhone telling me how much I've used my phone, but yet I haven't made much effort to read my Bible. It should be seen as a, an exciting time. You know, yesterday, my wonderful wife, who I honor so much, gave me the day or afternoon to prepare a sermon, and I, I'm not kidding, it was like heaven. I don't mean because they were out. I just mean. <laughs> Need a room for two weeks. <laughs> I will try and word that better. 
it was heaven because I got time to soak in the Holy Spirit. I lay on my couch. I made sure the TV never went on. Uh, I've got a, 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 a thing that when I know I'm going to preach, I delete my social media because I know it's a distraction. So I had nothing except me and some time with God. And I must have listened to a particular song, video, double figures. It's like 15 minutes long. I just couldn't get enough of being in the presence of God. And I thought afterwards, like, wow, that's amazing. I can't wait for maybe in three months when I'm preaching again for that opportunity. But then it dawned on me that actually if I was to invest more time in spending time without an iPhone or social media, just me and God, when maybe the kids are asleep, put the Sky Sports off for a night and just get into this presence of worship, prayer, and praise. It is so good for your soul. It is so good to build us up. And I felt like an angel yesterday. <laughs> just like a whole new level of anointing. Just being in that presence. And that's available to every person in here right now. It's available that if you step forward to meet God, he'll be there to meet us. And he will do so many wonderful things for us and our spiritual life, our physical, and our relationships, and our attitudes, and uh, it's, it's incredible. So, I'm going to share a story in the Bible that I've left over here. It's Numbers 12. You can have your scarf back. And it's a powerful, fascinating story on the effect of dishonor. So picture the scene. The Israelites have left Egypt. They've seen miracle after miracle. They've seen God split the sea. They've seen manna bread every morning. They've seen quail when they've wanted meat. They've seen Moses strike a rock when they needed water. He provided all their needs. Their shoes never wore out. They grew with their feet. God gave these people everything. And he used Moses. Now, this is what it says specifically about Moses. I must aspire, try and aspire to this. It says, now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. He's the only person in the Old Testament that spoke to God face to face, and yet he was the most humble person on earth. I know people who fix a sink or a boiler and run about and think that they are the next best thing in this world. And this man led millions of people, seen miracles, seas split, you name it. And he had a brother and a sister called Aaron and Miriam. And jealousy and pride entered their hearts and they began to gossip, they began to murmur, and they began to complain about their brother Moses. Now, listen specifically to how God responds to dishonor in this same story. It says, that the Lord heard everything they had said. God hears what we say. He knows what we think. And in another verse, 
in the Bible it says that we will be judged for every idle word. We have to be very, very careful of how we speak and who we speak about. I've actually got a rule of thumb that I try and bring in when if maybe there's an opportunity to say something about somebody or gossip because we're all guilty of being tempted or straying into that area. And the question I try and ask myself now, if I feel I'm going to say something, is would I be prepared to say what I'm about to say if they were standing in front of me? So God heard what they had been saying. Now just to paint the picture, this is the tabernacle. He says to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, meet me at the tabernacle. Now normally the high priest once a year would get the privilege of going into the presence of God. But specifically here, he waited and stood at the entrance. Kind of picture him with his sleeves rolled up saying, I can't, I have, there's no place for this in my church. There's no place for this amongst my people and amongst my leaders. In fact, Lucifer himself got filled with the same thing. It was called pride and dishonor. And look what happened to him. He was in the most elegant place in heaven, decorated with jewels and you name it. You read what it says in Isaiah about that. And yet the same thing affected him. So God's I see, so God's standing here, I'm meeting the door. It's a little bit like when I was younger and my dad was waiting at the door with a ballast shoe. <laughs> Discipline is coming. And so it says that if there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. But not with my Moses, my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why are you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Is there people that you're criticizing in your workplace, in your church, in your home, that maybe you need to take some time between you and God and let the Holy Spirit search and analyze? There's two powerful points in the story coming up. The Lord was very angry with them and he departed. As the cloud moved away, Miriam stood there, her skin as white as snow from leprosy. Leprosy is a contagious disease that in the Old Testament when somebody developed leprosy they were to remove themselves from the camp and stay on the outside of the gates. And God sees dishonor in the same way that he sees leprosy. We are to disconnect ourselves from a person of dishonor. We are to remove ourselves because it's a contagious spirit. We have to disconnect, we have to remove ourselves from it until the person, or maybe us, have sorted ourselves out. Leprosy is a disease that affects your nerve endings and it causes you to lose feelings and vision as well. And when we have a spirit of dishonor, we will not feel the movement of God. We will not feel the anointing. We will not feel the Holy Spirit. And we may stand and wonder why worship never 
inspires us or why we never feel it or when the preachers preach we never we never we don't get anything from it but perhaps the spirit of dishonor has attached itself to us the next important thing about the spirit of dishonor in this story Miriam had to be she had to spend seven days outside of the camp now Moses full of grace begged God to forgive her and he says tell her to wait seven days outside and it goes on to say so Miriam was kept outside the camp for seven days and the people waited until she was brought back before they could travel again is our spirit of dishonor holding back our marriage is it holding back our family is it holding back our ministry is it holding you back from the things that God wants you to have for the plans that he has for you for the calling that he has on your life do we have a spirit of dishonor that's delaying that process the people had to wait are we holding ourselves back are we holding anyone else back two questions to ask ourselves and just to finish it's God's heart and intention that when we come to Jesus Christ and we're saved that he moves powerfully in us now Jesus said in Matthew 13 that because of the dishonor shown to him and the unbelief in the people he could do no mighty works and God wants to do mighty works in our hearts in our lives in our marriages in our careers and everything we're involved in but do, if we have a spirit of dishonor God will not move and cannot move until we sort ourselves out and it's so easy to listen to gossip to be a complainer sometimes we don't even know we're doing it but when we come back to daily reading the Word of God to building ourselves up and letting the Holy Spirit convict us we can start to see things as the Bible said the Word of God is like a double-edged sword it cuts right through everything straight to the problem but our heart are our hearts too hard to let him work and move why don't we stand up and finish I'm just gonna we're gonna be led in a time of worship and I just want you guys to take this opportunity to speak to God yourself and ask him to show you are you guilty of gossip are we guilty of complaining murmuring disrespect I don't want to be all thingy, but it's a huge topic. And take this time, you know, God's discipline is always through love. So if he challenges us and convicts us, it's, it's always for a positive and good reason. So why don't you take this time as Lindsay and the guys lead us in worship to come back. Maybe like Miriam, the seven days outside the camp. Maybe you've been much longer outside. It's been so long since you experienced the touch and movement of the Holy Spirit. So long since you had tears running down your face through a time of worship. And I want to encourage you guys to take this opportunity just between you and God. Maybe a time of repentance is required. Maybe you need to get on your knees, lie on your face, do whatever before God and come back to Him. He is a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness and right now in this moment he will forgive all of us when we humble ourselves and come to him and, and, and let's ask the Holy Spirit let's declare and believe for a spirit of excellence 
to start pressing in and believing that God will change us to declare a spirit of honor on our life and our work when you're clean and clean with all your heart when you're serving your boss serve with all your heart when you're serving your church do it for Jesus build your leaders and elders and pastors up don't do it gritting your teeth but do it because the Bible tells us to behave in such a way and to respect leadership and authority I'm just going to pray quickly and finish. Father, we just thank you so much for your words, for the truth that we can learn and read. The only faith in this world, Father, is true and genuine, Lord. And I just pray your Holy Spirit would come in this moment, Lord. Without your Holy Spirit, we are nothing. Our meetings and gatherings mean nothing. And I just pray your Holy Spirit we come and start touching some hearts this morning. Start breaking some hard hearts, Father. Start bringing people from outside the camp back into the center, Father. And we just pray that your anointing would be rich again in our hearts, upon our church. And we thank you, Jesus, for the cross and all that you've given us in Jesus' name.